But for us big kids, we are going to take some time this morning in the book of Acts. I know we don't do a whole lot of topicals here, uh, but this morning we're going to take a break from Genesis and Romans and seeing that it is Pentecost Sunday, we're going to consider together uh, Pentecost 2,000 years ago. There's much that could be talked about today. I don't know about you guys. There's always stuff going on, right? Um, I would love to speak to you guys about what's going on right now with all the bombs dropping over in the Middle East and Israel. You guys know that Zechariah, I think it's chapter 12, maybe verse 3-ish, 2-ish, tell us that Jerusalem shall be a cup of trembling to all nations. And it is crazy. Uh, The United Nations has condemned Israel. We'll catch this first. Russia, we've condemned 12 times in 2020 for some things that they were being naughty about. I think the United States got condemned six or seven times. And there's a few other countries that were a little naughty. And the United Nations said, you guys need to stop. We're condemning what you're doing. Okay. And it's, it's hard, you know, to be spanked a little bit. Israel was condemned 112 times last year. Israel shall be a cup of trembling to all nations. Think about that, guys. Prophecy is being fulfilled right before our eyes. It's kind of exciting. But this morning, (laughs) we get to talk about God the Father and the bomb that he dropped on Pentecost 2,000 years ago. And I get a little more excited about that because the implications of it, the fallout of that, it's still having effects today. And part of what God has done in us, believers, we're seeing that personally today and we're seeing the faithfulness of God um, go forth into all the world still. So I'm kind of excited. This summer um, it will be 20 years of pastoral ministry for me. And I've gotten to teach Pentecost many times, but I've never taught Pentecost on Pentecost. So this is kind of exciting this morning to be able to do this with you guys. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 this morning. If you've not turned there yet, please do so. We're going to look at the first uh, few verses together. And I would encourage you later today uh, to read the entirety of the chapter because we actually see once the apostles, the believers, disciples, uh, received the Holy Spirit, we know that they uh, went and preached and the church was birthed. 3,000-some people that day came to faith in Christ. Um, it's exciting. Think about it today, guys. Okay, Here we are in Kukana, Wisconsin. Has God been faithful to his mission to get the gospel into all nations? Okay, We're here, Kukana, Wisconsin, 2,000 years later, and there's believers. God has been faithful, guys. And the mission is continuing to go on. So I just love this blast radius of God's bomb there of Pentecost, okay, to every nation under heaven. Look at verse 5 real quick. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from where, guys? Every nation under heaven. So see here, there's a spiritual explosion that takes place, okay, Now, Pentecost, when the day, verse 1 of Pentecost, had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So Pentecost is one of three major feasts that the Jewish people will celebrate, okay? Um, Judaism, okay? We have Pesach, which is uh, Passover. That encompasses the the lamb, unleavened bread, um, 
first fruits. And then another festival um, is Shavuot, which is the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost that we're going to look at this morning. And then there's Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles or booths. That's where the Israelites would remember the wilderness wanderings of the Jewish people. They would literally go build a tent outside and live out there for a week. They still do it to this day. So the Feasts of Weeks or Pentecost, if you want to read more detail on that, you can find it in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 to 21, and it'll lay that all out for you. But it starts it started at the harvest, okay, the, the Feast of First Fruits, and they would bring a wave offering of wheat, okay? Now, seven weeks later, or uh, pente, 50 days, at the end of the harvest, they would bring a wave offering of two loaves of bread. So they would literally bring these two loaves out with them at the harvest, and as they would bring, they would bring it as a wave offering offering okay a sacrifice to be made holding it out to the altar and then they would bring it back again and why is that significant why would they do this because it spoke of them okay what they had dedicated their first fruits to the lord i'm giving it to you god okay here's our sacrifice okay to you and then they would receive it back again from him so that was the picture in which they would do this representing the harvest had come from god okay and in a way of worship okay they would offer it back to him so you guys see the cool picture there god supplying the daily bread for them i think that's a really cool picture and the reason why i have a visual is i hope it sticks in your head how cool that is it's from god and we get to give it back to God and then catch this guys because this coincides and this is the cool part of Pentecost is the Holy Spirit brings power to the disciples there on this day that we're reading about 2,000 years ago the power of the Holy Spirit comes for them now to be witnesses to Jerusalem Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth precisely on the day that was designated for the Jews to give thanks to Yahweh for the harvest do you guys see the picture there the disciples were about to begin reaping harvests of souls they were to go and preach the gospel to the world in that day if you read peter the man who had just denied jesus right is now empowered by the holy spirit and he preaches there in acts chapter 2 three thousand people get saved the church is born that day so almost two thousand years later it's still happening check this out in john chapter 4 verse 35 Jesus said, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. Isn't that cool? Who had known Jesus had come? Nobody. He came to his own. Okay? The Israelites may have heard of this preacher, this teacher, maybe a false teacher, maybe the Messiah, we don't know. But the disciples brought the word, the gospel, the good news to the known world. 
And aren't you guys glad <laughs> that the harvest isn't plentiful here? Because we're in a Christian nation. Everybody we know is a Christian, right? No, the harvest is still great, guys. Okay? Talk to people. Most of them are unbelievers. That's just the way it is. So I think about this, guys. The harvest is white. It is ready. Okay? There is fruit to be gathered for eternal life. So Pentecost is the birthday of the church. So when we consider these disciples, what have they been doing? Okay? They've been praying. They've been praying up in this upper room. And what were they praying in one accord about? Well, unity. Okay? We had place, time, purpose. They're praying there. They were praying for the Holy Spirit to come upon them, to impart their impart power to them that they could go out and be witnesses, right? Look in chapter 1, verse 8. Isn't that the reason the Holy Spirit was promised to come? To empower them to be witnesses. That's the reason for the Spirit to come. And also that they would need this power to carry out the gospel across the conceivable boundaries. So there were there praying that God would send forth these laborers into these harvest fields of the day. I wonder if they were praying right. You guys ever feel like we pray, we ask, and we're missing the mark? Oh, yeah. yeah. You see, to simply share the gospel, I think God may want us to pray the next step. I wonder if our prayer should be more focused on actually winning souls. Would you guys agree? Lord, help us to share the gospel. That's good. That's great. God, you're the savior of the world. You love this world. You died for all that they might come to you, that whoever calls upon your name would be saved. The Holy Spirit, as we're told in John 14, is at work today convicting people of their sin and of righteousness, of judgment. They need to come to know Jesus. And doesn't Jesus deserve the reward of his sufferings? Absolutely. So I think instead of just, Lord, help us share. God, save my neighbor. I've talked with them. I know they don't walk with you. They need to know you. Open their eyes. Open their heart. The people down the street, the people in my city, in our community, save people, God. Please, do we ever pray that way? I think we should. So Jesus came to actually save the lost, not just tell them that they were. Right? So let's pray that way. Maybe, just maybe, we should aim a little higher. Pray a little higher. So I want to look at verse 2 here, and we're going to consider these visible signs of the invisible spirit. It tells us in verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of rushing mighty wind. Did you guys catch the windstorm we had a couple weeks ago? Okay, isn't it so cool when the wind is that strong, the noises that it makes? You're just like, whoa, that's awesome. That's powerful. Is my house going to blow over? I mean, that's how it feels sometimes, right? So we're told here this rushing mighty wind, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance so this is a spiritual explosion taking place this is something they had never 
ever seen before. So what's an explosion? <laughs> Something that's suddenly noisy and it releases a lot of energy. And that is what took place here in this upper room. Now the first sign that we read about in verse 2, it's an audible sign, right? And suddenly there was sound from heaven and it was of a rushing mighty wind. So this was a tremendous sound, okay? Windstorms, they're rad, okay? Tornadoes are cool. We had one go through our backyard when the kiddos were little. <laughs> Whoa, awesome, intense. Am I going to see Jesus? Like, it was cool. Anyways, um, but you can appreciate the volume that there is with these strong winds. And the sound was so loud that the people there that day that were up at the temple in Jerusalem, they were drawn towards the sound to see what this strange sound was. Look at verse 6. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. They wanted to know what's happening. I love the big church up the road here. They got bells. Okay? Ring, ring! Something's happening! Come and see! But that doesn't happen today. I just say, hey, that's just the church up the hill. It must be noon <laughs> you know so if i start here ring a couple times i'm like whoa i got preachy to this morning anyways um i think it's cool okay just hearing this call the people actually respond the second sign then we see is a visual one look at verse three and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them so at the same time guys the disciples actually saw 120 separate flames or fires shaped like tongues, okay, resting upon one another. You just kind of get that picture in your head how cool that would have been to see. I want us to catch this too, because in the Old Testament, okay, it was often used, fire was used uh, by God to give some tangible evidence of his power. You guys remember Elijah's, you know, experience there before the prophets of Baal? Okay, fire was called down from heaven, right? Fire from heaven. We have Moses. He experienced God's presence in a burning bush. So the fire in the bush there. And then Isaiah chapter 6. You guys remember his experience there of God's holiness? He was undone, okay? But then his lips were touched with that burning coal, so fire on his lips. So Christians, if we want to be used by God in this world to evangelize, we need to experience his power personally. We need to live in his presence, and we need to be characterized by his holiness, okay? Truly to be set apart for him. Read a sermon this week called A Dangerous Pentecost by Halford Lullock. He tells of Lorenzo de Minci. Uh, he was a great Florentine patron of the arts. And he was very, very proud of his spectacles um, that he would stage, okay, for the citizens um, there. And among one of the pro uh, productions that he did, and they were very amazing, very realistic. People would come to watch the show uh, but one Pentecost, Lorenzo went too far. He actually used real fire, okay, to symbolize the Holy Spirit coming down upon the apostles. And the fragile stage 
caught fire and the whole church went up in flames as everybody was on looking, right? Well, what's the moral of the story, Pastor? Why are you sharing that with me? Are you going to send some fire down this morning? <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. The moral here is, you know, pray for Pentecostal power, but don't try to manufacture it. And I see the church is really good at that. Okay? We try to provoke the Spirit of God or try to do things in the flesh that only God can do. Like here at Freedom Fellowship, guys, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We pray, and our prayer is, God, you got full reins here. <laughs> Come have your way, whatever you want to do. We don't want to manufacture something. I've been around long enough, and I've been in enough circles, Pentecostals, assemblies, where I've seen a lot of Holy Spirit production done in the flesh. Okay, doesn't testify to my spirit. Things don't line up scripturally to what I'm seeing right before my eyes. But I have seen things done within the church decently and in order. In a lot of those settings, guys, is normally when a church is on mission, full of the Holy Spirit, and they're going out. And there are just supernatural things happening as brothers and sisters are going forth with the gospel. It's wonderful, and it's beautiful. So it's something we are open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do, but we want to do what he wants to do. I was in a church one time. Half the service, people were speaking in tongues. Well, the Bible says, that, hey, if there's tongues being spoken, let there be no more than two or three. Don't take half the service. And there needs to be an interpretation. Well, every time you see that done in the scriptures, the interpretation is what? Always magnifying, always glorifying God, speaking about his wonderful works and who he is. In the interpretation, and I'm sitting here with a brother who I was going to school with. We were doing missions together. He had the gift of interpretation. We had seen it used rightly. And we're sitting there, and the interpretations came, and there were multiple ones, and it was all, thus says the Lord. This is the interpretation of the tongues we just heard. God is saying this to the church. Every time we see in Scripture, the interpretation is always praise. It's always back to God, and I'm looking at my brother, hey, bro, <laughs> I know you legitimately have the gift of interpretation. Is this what the tongues were? <laughs> <He's> like, nope. <laughs> Manufacturing ourselves, okay? And we need to be careful of that because when the flesh gets involved, it is not right. It is not glorifying to God. But I love what we see here. I want to share with you guys. Check this quote out by G. Campbell Morgan. If you guys need a good commentator, check him out. He's a good brother. He says, there was born the Christian church, not by the sprinkling of water, not by votes or resolutions, not by creeds formulated and signed, but by the baptism of wind and fire of God. That's good. Okay, I've shared through the years a couple other topicals. I know we don't do them a whole lot, but we walked through a couple creeds together. And some of you guys are like, why don't we do that more often? And creeds lay down some foundational things for the church. There's some things that we need to get doctrinally to understand. But learning, memorizing a creed, getting confirmed, <laughs> that doesn't save anybody. The spirit of the living God is what saves people, guys. So it's one of those things we need to keep looking to him. What does he say? What do we do? And how do we receive the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you guys asked. Open it up to Luke really quick. Luke chapter 11. Because some of you guys might be like, okay, I'm seeing what's happening here. I'm 
seeing the Holy Spirit of God is legit. Okay, Jesus said this is what was going to happen. He ascended to the Father, and sure enough, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, was going to come. <laughs> and he did, just like he said he was going to do. But I don't feel like I have the Spirit of God. I want to be filled. I want to be empowered. What do we need to do? Well, we're told here in Luke 11, 11, let's just jump down to verse 13. You guys are familiar with this passage. Um, it says, if you then being evil, this is speaking about dads, and if you are in Christ, born again in the Spirit, guess what? You have a heavenly Father now. Isn't that cool? And he's a good dad. And every good and perfect gift comes from above, right? So it says here, if you being evil, speaking about our earthly dads, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Wow. Wow. Do you guys think that God wants us as his kids walking in the power of his spirit to be in step with his spirit? Absolutely. It's good to pray for the will of God. Reveal your will, Father. I know you want me to walk with you. God, would you give me your Holy Spirit? I don't know about you guys. That's one of my regular prayers. There's times I, I wake up in the morning and like, oh no. This is going to be a rough day, Lord. <laughs> fill me afresh, please. You know, I'm feeling out of it. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling off. I have this to do today. I'm meeting with this person and I know they don't know you. God, I want to be able to speak the words of life. Please fill me afresh with your spirit. It's Sunday morning. I have to preach. Please. <laughs> it's my whole cry here when I drive to church in the morning. Lord, I need you. But anyways, he's faithful. And what is... The Gospels tell us to do. We just ask. We just ask. Okay? It doesn't say that you have to do more, give more, do this or that. Just ask. Isn't that cool? Ask. I want to consider the third sign that we see here. And the third sign is an oral one. Look at verse 4. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke in at least 15 languages. This is pretty cool. They had never learned them. And they just begin to speak in these other languages. I know a few of you guys have received the gift of tongues. Isn't that just the weirdest thing when you speak out the first time? You're just like, what the... I've never heard this before. What, you know, that is a spiritual thing, you know? I have the gift of tongues, and I've prayed for years for the gift of interpretation because I would love to know what I'm praying or saying when I'm speaking in tongues. Wouldn't that be cool to actually know? But I have had people over the years, interpretation is so cool because interpretation, it's things that the Holy Spirit's already dropped and been speaking into my heart and into my life. And it's just like, oh, that fits. And sometimes it's like only God would know, you know? Um, but here, guys, is we've been studying Genesis, the thing that really hit me is I considered this here, the miraculous event that was accomplished through the Holy Spirit amounts to the reversal of what we saw in Genesis chapter 11 when we considered Babel. Think about this with me for a second. Back then, God confused their speech, okay, because they were misusing their unity for what? For sin. That was not, hey, we're united, <laughs> To sin, that's not good. But here, God enables uh, people who are of different 
languages, okay, that separated them from one another to understand, okay, the praising of God, which is the proper use of unity. Do you guys understand that? It's about God. It's about worshiping him. And think about this with me, guys. We are so divided. There's one church. You guys are well taught. You understand that. One church. Everyone who's a believer in Jesus Christ is a part of the one church. The Bible teaches that clearly. And yet we have so much division. We start from a place of unity, don't we? Because brother and sister, (laughs) we're united because we are in Christ. We are a part of his family. But why is there so much division today in the church? And let's be honest, there is a lot of division, isn't there? Do I wear a mask or do I not wear a mask? That has caused people to change churches, to divide over a little bitty mask. Again, Christ is what unifies us. And I love it, guys, because we sit here. We don't even know what we are at Freedom Fellowship. I had somebody write today, we're thinking about visiting the church, been watching online. You know, what denomination are you? I had to write back, I don't know. <laughs> we're not denominated. We love Jesus and like his word. <laughs> you know, We don't even know what we are. <laughs> that's what we, yeah. But that's how quickly... We live in Wisconsin. It's weird. Do you guys know the Baptists have over 20,000 different denominations? Have you guys ever driven up north through Crivets? First Baptist Church of Crivets. Go down a block. Second Baptist Church. <laughs> Across the street, we have the Pioneer Baptist Church. It's just like, what's going on? But don't we divide over everything? Everything. And if we got out of... It's an American Western mentality. That's our problem. We are so divided. United we stand. We're divided, guys. We have a nation that is divided. Okay? We have believers dividing over the most stupid things because Christ is what unites us. You need to get out and see what the church is doing because we are a bad representative of it. If you go to another country today in the world, Yeah, there are different denominations. But you go into those cities where there may be groups of believers, they don't care about those denominations. They're going to worship Jesus together. They are going to go and serve their community together. Even though you guys believe this and you're part of that denomination, we are the church. We are believers. What can we do together in Christ for his glory and his beautiful? Much of the world doesn't deal with the stupid bickering and division that we see here. And I think a big part of it, guys, is because our eyes are all on the stuff. If our eyes are on the Lord and we're being filled with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit's what? It's love. Hey, my charismatic brother in Christ, let's worship together. Hey, my reformed brother and sister, I don't agree with some of your stuff, but you know my Jesus. You're part of the church. We can worship. We can serve. What is the Holy Spirit wanting to do through the church And we're so good at getting just, hey, we're the only ones that have it all together. No, we don't have it all together. 
I will let you know, I don't know what we're doing wrong here at Freedom Fellowship, but there's something we're off on, if we're honest. Okay? Because there's no perfect church. We don't all have it together. We have different opinions and thoughts and even hold to some different doctrines. There's the essentials of the faith, which we'll go to bat for and fight about. <laughs> but there's the side doctrinal things that don't really matter. And I hate seeing so much division today in the body about the secondary things. So, thanks, brother. God wants to see unity. Something else I want to lay out, too, as we move on here. Um, God enabled these people with different languages, okay, um, that separated them to bring them together. Um, and we consider, well, what's going on here? Is this speaking in tongues as we see taught by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14? Uh, this is actually distinguished quite differently from that. We could call this the miracle of languages. And if you guys want further study, you can read yourself uh, in Corinthians 12 and 14 on that. But here it's, it's neat to consider because when we look at Pentecost, okay, it really marked the first of five bestowments of the Holy uh, Spirit. We see it here in verse 4 in Jerusalem. Okay, we get into Acts chapter 8, verse 17. We read of Samaria there, the Holy Spirit had come. The Apostle Paul, my hero, I love the guy. We're studying Romans. He wrote it. Okay, you guys know that he was Saul before God changed his name to Paul. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, actually persecuting the church. And he has an encounter with the living God, the Holy Spirit, there in Acts 9, verse 17. And then we read later in chapter 10 of Cornelius and his house, the Holy Spirit. And then in Ephesians, uh, the, the church there in Ephesus, um, chapter 19 of Acts, the Holy Spirit came upon those guys. So one notice that the Holy Spirit didn't distribute pens, but tongues at Pentecost. For the gospel was to be proclaimed by human lips. That caught my attention. Because we sure like to write a lot of things. <laughs> God, no. I want you to go speak. You see, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we get to be witnesses with our lips and our lives, okay, to those who are not in Christ, to the non-believers. And the Holy Spirit will be in us, okay, as the presence of God in our life, be upon us for the power, okay, the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work of God, and then through us is a manifestation of God's testimony. So they began to speak doing what God intended. How many of you guys personally spoke to somebody this week about Jesus Christ? You shared the gospel. Okay. Why don't we see more revival happening today in this Christian nation? Why are we rebelling, buying into lies? Because we're not speaking. We're speaking about everything that's wrong in our world and culture, but we're not actually speaking the gospel. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we will be speaking the gospel. Jesus will be on our lips. We will have hope to share. Now, the shock and the awe of unbelievers. Check out verse 5 here. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. 
Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born, Parthians and Medes, Elamites and dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pergia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking, saying, hey, they're drunk, or they're full of new wine. That's what they thought was happening, okay? It's early in the day, and they're all drunk. What's going on? You see, guys, I love it says from every nation, okay? The nations uh, here would be the first of the first Jewish dispersion. So these are Jews who had come to worship at Pentecost there in Jerusalem. So these were Jews who lived with their families in different Jewish communities outside of the Holy Land. And these are known as Hellenistic Jews. Have you guys heard of Hellenistic Jews? That is any Jew that does not live in the Holy Land. That's simply who they are. So they're distinguished here. The Parthenons, uh, those would be those from Iran, Mesopotamia, Iraq. The list is probably not complete. They only lay, lay out 15 for us. Proselytes are those who are Gentiles who convert to Judaism. And the Arabs that are laid out here, guys, um, those are Jews from Arabia, not as we would think of Arabs today. So this is one of the most you know, well-attested events in history. Um, witnessed by many people. Would have been pretty rad to partake in that, see all that. Uh, look at verse 8 with me. And how is it that we hear? This is the question they had. When you guys read the Bible, do you ever ask questions? A lot of people never engage. They're just like, this is lame. This is stupid. Instead of, hey, <laughs> what's actually being said here? What's actually going on? It's good to ask the question here, okay? So they hear each in our own language in which we were born. So the verse here is very important when it comes to evangelism. And I want to camp here with you guys for a little bit considering evangelism. Because as it is, it's the first time the disciples took the gospel across discernible cultural barriers. It's the first time that we see it in the New Testament. So this is kind of exciting. How many of you guys have a heart to see the world come to know Jesus Christ? All people, all nations. Do you pray for them? I hope so. Okay, we're called to be praying in that way. So there's a gap here that we see between the Hebrews and the Hellenists. Okay, it was more formidable than we might think. A good example is like the Elamites. Okay, they had never returned to the Holy Land. They had settled down um, north of the Persian Gulf there, and that's just where they stayed. Um, so they had very little in common with each other. And not only were, you know, virtually all believers, you know, up to this point, Hebrew Jews, okay? But did you guys catch they were also Galilean Hebrews, okay? Not the Judean Hebrews, the Galileans. A lot of commentators said, say of the Galileans, are, they're kind of like the hillbillies, the rednecks of our day. That is who God chose to take the gospel into the world. Well, I call, fine. 
I'm a little redneckish. God chooses the foolish things. I love it, guys. This God just, oh, yeah. Isn't it cool? He can use anybody. He chooses the foolish things of the world, we're told, to confound the wise. That's why I love it. Anyways. Our language here, okay? They're saying, hey, we hear in our own language in which, okay, we were born. So God shows respect here to different cultures, to different languages of each of the groups mentioned. And why is this important? Because it's not only for Israel. It's not a white man's religion. It, is, it transcends race, culture, creed, color. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, to evangelize effectively, the gospel must be preached in their heart language. The Bible must be translated into their vernacular. You guys have any King James only peeps in your life? The only authoritative word of God. The only one that God has inspired. My heart breaks when I hear that stupid, and I will call it stupid because that's what it is. Really, God, the only other language he's going to choose to inspire is English? We are so stinking self-centered. What about all these other languages and translations of all these other people groups? Sorry, I had to vent. So, <laughs> yeah. The importance, guys. And that's, that's the stuff that divides us. I have brothers who are into King James only. We can't have a civil conversation. It's like, hey, you believe the gospel. You believe in Jesus. We can serve together. We can love one another. But you don't believe. I can't have fellowship with you. It's just the things we choose, you know. And I want to fight back because you're stupid, stupid, you know. We just end up fighting with each other. God forgive us, man. So the importance here, guys, when we distinguish, there's a distinguishing what is non-negotiable when it comes to our faith as Christians, okay, from cultural baggage, okay? Do you guys know that we here in the West, we had been a great sending nation of missionaries into the world, okay? We had decades where we were sending. It was a big thing in the church. Who's the last Christian brother or sister that you know personally who felt the call and has gone onto the mission field. It's been a while for me, guys. Why aren't more of us going? What's changed? Why are other countries now sending missionaries here to evangelize in America? Something's changed, guys. And I would say it's the Holy Spirit. I think it's lacking. I think you and I could walk into most churches this morning and the Holy Spirit could be absolutely absent and we wouldn't even be able to tell. Because the worship team, they've practiced well. They are well-polished musicians. They're going to put on a great show for us today. The pastor is a great orator. He's read some really good books. Has a phenomenal sermon outlined. He's going to preach away today. There's a lot of churches that can do church in the flesh without the Spirit of God. I often wonder if the Spirit was taken away from us, would we be able to tell the difference here? Because I can tell. I can tell when the Spirit of God is present and when He isn't. 
I wish we all could discern well in that way. But we can do a lot in the flesh and make it look good. But where's God? Where's the supernatural empowering that we need to be witnesses? You guys can jot down a website. It's called the Finishing Fund, finishingfund.org. I don't know a whole lot about them. I just got turned on to them, but I've been enjoying looking through their ministry, through their website, through their videos. This is a group, um, and I love what they're doing, okay? Missionaries on the field, okay? Especially those brothers and sisters who have been called to a people group that know nothing of Jesus, never even have heard his name. They do not have the Bible translated into their language. One of the hardest things for them is having to leave the work that God's called them to and come back to the States to raise funding so they can continue to do their mission work. I love this ministry because what they are doing is raising funds to give out to these who are already established. They're not trying to do a new thing. They're coming alongside ministry that's already happening all over the world, and they're raising funds and say, hey, keep going. <laughs> Stay at it. And I love it because they're living out um, what Jesus said would happen. He said the gospel is going to go into all nations. Okay, and There are many nations in the world, but that word is ethos, literally people groups. And do you guys know that we're just a couple hundred, couple, you know, a couple hundred people groups from the gospel going to every nation, every ethos? We're very close. They're saying it could be in the next year or two. That's exciting. The church is kind of sitting in the dark thinking, hey, that's far off yet. Okay, we don't know if that's really going to happen. But the traction and what God's doing, because we get so caught up on all that's happening right here in America, our church, no. <laughs> God is a global God. And he's still on mission. And there are brothers and sisters fulfilling that great commission. They are going to all parts of the world. And we might actually see this happen in the next few years, which is pretty exciting. And Jesus said, when the gospel does go into all the world, you shall see the Son of Man return. Like, that's kind of exciting. So we are living in very unique times, taking us 2,000 years to get there. But this is the time that we are living. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be a part of that. Okay? Because I look, hey, there are people groups. There are still jungle people, Indians living who have been untouched. Yeah. Guys, there's people groups right in our community, right in the valley here, that have not heard of Jesus Christ. Well, they've heard of him because we do Christmas, but they don't get the gospel. They've never heard that. There's even religious people I know sharing the gospel with them. They've gone to church their whole life and they've never heard the gospel before. How does that happen? So there are groups right here, guys, that have not heard, especially our kids. They're lying to them. Nothing blew up. Big bang. There is no God. What a joke to say there's no creator. Anyways, ooh, Satan stinks. You guys know that he's the one that blinds people? He's the father of lies. Oh, I don't like thinking about Satan. He's a turkey. All right. Finishing fun. Check it out. Let's move on. Verse 12 and 13. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, and they are full of new wine. So catch you guys. They're amazed. They're perplexed. And the others were mocking. 
Has much changed today? This is what people are doing to us. You guys who are full of the Holy Spirit, you Jesus followers, you Bible thumpers, they're either amazed. You guys ever have that happen? They look into your life. Man, I wish I was like you. You just love and you serve people. You are so nice to me. No one's ever been this nice. No one's ever taken the time to listen, to help me out. They're just amazed. And then you begin to share Jesus. Really? Wow! And then you have those others out there that are just perplexed. I don't get you. (laughs) You're driving me nuts. It doesn't make sense. Aren't you living the American dream? Isn't it all about here and now? Isn't it about building your kingdom? And then you have the mockers out there. There is no God. Why are you wasting your time with this faith stuff? With Jesus? Okay, you could be sleeping in on a Sunday morning. That's why I go to second service. <laughs> Guys, I woke up this morning. I, I was ready to preach at six this morning. I was just sensing the spirit of God. I'm like, I wish I could preach right now. I don't wake up that way normally. You can ask Sonny. But this morning, I'm just like, man, my head. I woke up from a dream that had to do with evangelism. I'm like, here we go. I had a pretty stinky week, and there's just this grace that I found this morning. And that happens a lot of times on Sundays. I'm like, I'm just ready to go. Can we have a 6 o'clock service? All right. So some accepted it, guys. Some rejected. Some were receptive, okay? And some were resistant. But remember, not all crops ripen at the same time. Okay, down south, the wheat is already up and being harvested. Right here, we're waiting for our first harvest, yet in the north. And sometimes we often wonder, What's going on? Are they ever going to get saved? The word's been shared. The seed has been spread. What kind of soil did it fall upon? Are there roots starting to grow under there? Are we ever going to see any growth? Is there going to be fruit one day? We wonder, we wonder, we wonder. Stop wondering. Just continue to share and pray. Okay? We don't know. I got a friend, Brenda. About 25 years ago, I came alongside her and started praying for her unbelieving father. 38 years she had been praying for her dad. He finally got saved, guys. You don't stop praying. You don't stop sharing. Man who was opposed. There is no God. I'm an atheist. How stupid are you, wife? Daughter, how could you just go along with what your mom believes? Think for yourself. And now he actually meets his creator comes into relationship with his maker. Everything is upside down. He can't deny it anymore. Wow, what a radical testimony he's being. Guys, it tells us here they were full of new wine. Well, in one sense they were. Check this out in Luke. No one puts new wine to the old wineskins. Why? Because that new wine will burst the old wineskins. The old ones are so dried up. Okay, can't put anything new. They're not willing to to form, to change, to, you know, expand, right? But we're told here, the wineskins will burst, the wine will be ruined, but new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So in a sense, guys, they were full of new wine here. Being born again of the Spirit, guys, you are a new creation, okay? You can handle spiritual things. You're growing, you're taking it in, Okay? And we don't want to 
be an old wineskin. Well, this is just the way it's always been in the church. This is just what we know and we do. <laughs> no, what is God doing? Okay? What is he asking of us? It might look a little different. Are we willing to receive that? We still have our biblical mandate. Okay? There are black and white things in Scripture. But man, what does God want us to do when we gather together? We like to worship together, don't we? Do you guys know when the church got together, they didn't worship. They did that when they went to house to house. They just studied the word of God. And they loved it. Do you know that I got a brother who's preaching probably almost three hours today over in Africa? He does it every Sunday. I went to Bible college with him. His people love it. Don't stop, pastor. Keep going, pastor. Preach me free, pastor. It's getting good. We're on hour two, pastor. Here we go. Some of you guys, I love you guys. We only do an hour, but you know that trips out a lot of people? I try to listen to your sermon. Church I go to, he only preaches for 20 minutes. <laughs> but it's good, isn't it? We'll talk a little while why it's so good. But the point here, guys, why the new wine is so important, okay? Christ for believers, right? He's for us. A savior accepted. And then Christ in believers. A friend experienced. When we know Jesus, what do we want to do? We want to share him. We want others to know him also. So Christ through believers, we see the master manifested. Now, you guys know that nature abhors a vacuum? I'm almost done with this bottle of water. But if we sucked out all the air and sealed it, you guys know that there would be a vacuum inside. That if we poked a little hole, what would happen? It would go rushing in and it would fill instantly. And that makes me think, guys, what are we being filled with? The fullness, okay? Because it is a necessity of life. There's got to be something there. But full of what? Do you guys know that there's right fullnesses and wrong fullnesses? Just hanging in Acts this week, we see a bunch. And I just want to throw out a few right types and wrong types. You see, once we're full of the Holy Spirit, that is right, okay? Because as a result, there's good fruit, right? Fruit. It leads to a fullness of wonder, which we see in Acts chapter 3, verse 10. Right doctrine in chapter 5, verse 28. Wisdom in chapter 6, verse 3. Uh, faith in Acts 6, 5, and 8. Power, chapter 6, verse 8. God's word, chapter 9, verse 36. Joy in chapter 13, 52. And gladness in 14, 17. But then there's wrong types of being filled. Okay, lying, Acts 5, 3. Some of you guys are like, yeah, those guys stunk. Ananias and Sapphira. Um, indignation, 5, 17. Deceit and fraud, 13, 10. Envy, 13, 45. Confusion, 14, 29. Wrath in 19, 28. So there is the spiritual nature that abhors a vacuum. Also, you guys getting this? Because you're full of something and the question is, what is it, my born-again brother and sister, born again of the Spirit of God? What are we full of? Are we full of the Holy Spirit? Or are you full of 
yourself or are you full of this world? Because we're very good at allowing things to affect us. And we're taking in more than any other people group in the history of the world. I mean, we are so connected. We know so much stuff. Knowledge is multiplying. It's doubling daily right now. It's just crazy the times that we're living in. And we're taking in so much stuff. But how much of that is the world? Okay? And the cares of this life. In ourselves. How many of us post something? Oh, this is rad! 30 seconds later, how many people liked it already? Are they liking me today? <gasps> Someone gave me an angry face. Oh, my day's ruined. I can't go on. I mean, we are so self-absorbed. What are we full of, guys? What are we full of? I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. You see, the world doesn't need more worldly Christians. We got enough. We don't need more of that. We need Christians who are on fire for Jesus, who are stoked with the Holy Spirit. I'm supposed to be done. Let's go to Leviticus 6. I looked at the clock, babe. I got 10 minutes. <laughs> we try to respect the kids' ministry. Otherwise, we would be here for three, four hours. Leviticus, that's the Torah. First five books of the Bible. The most beautiful little girl in the world, my daughter Shalom, as I see Carson and Myla, they're pretty darn cute too, come in here. But Shalom yesterday asked, hey, what's the Torah? I just love that, you know? Like wanting to know. And we know um, the Torah, a lot of the law, what God had set in place for his children for Israel were put in place. And I was intrigued by a passage I found here in Leviticus chapter 6. Let's look at verse 12 and 13 because a very strong statement is made here. Check this out. And on the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay burnt offering in order, in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offering, and the fire shall always be burning on the altar, and it shall never go out. So God here is instructing the priest that, hey, this fire, it needs to keep burning. That's my probably biggest conviction I live under as a believer as a pastor, like I know I only can take people as far as I've gone. Week in, week out. 20 years of Sunday mornings and many other Bible studies throughout the week. Guys, I still need my fire kindled on a regular basis. I want Sunday mornings to be a place where you, my brothers and sisters, we can come together and you're going to get it stoked up good. I want to give you something of worth. Jeremiah 23 29, is my word not like fire, says the Lord. Guys, I want to give you the word in such a way that it is going to stoke you up and that's going to carry you for a while. But you know what fires do? They die down quickly, okay? I don't want to give you something fluffy. You know, the soft wood. You guys ever go camping? Throw some birch on there. We'll get it going real quick, right? But it burns up so fast. 
But man, if you get something that's solid, okay, it's going to burn for a while. And I want to give you guys the word of God in such a way that you have something of worth, okay, that's going to be able to stoke that fire, keep it going throughout the week. And I love fire. How many of you guys enjoy camping? Like the fire pit, just sitting around a fire is a cool. Yeah, that's the best part. You're just sitting there chilling around a fire. I love that part, you know. And it's fun. You're stoking it. You get that thing really roaring. But the night gets late and starts to die down. And it's fun when you're camping. There's times I've actually sat down where all the flames eventually are gone. And you just still see those red embers there just glowing. That's cool. Just sitting there and then they get darker and darker. You're like, oh man, it's late, time to go to bed. And then you wake up, you know, you throw your sleeping bag off and you're like, oh, it's cold outside. <laughs> Maybe is it okay to have a fire in the morning too? <laughs> yeah, when you're camping it is. And isn't it cool, even though it's been the whole night, I've been able to get some fire started again because those little coals are still hot enough, okay, that it just needed to get stoked up. You need to throw some more wood on there. And you guys, we need that. You know, this is good. It is a privilege to be able to share the word of God with you guys, to get you a little stoked for Jesus during the week. But we need to be doing this ourselves. We need to be doing this for one another. We're told in the scriptures to do good, but especially to those to the household of God. So your brothers and sisters, pray. Hey, I'm about to send a text, Lord. May this word encourage them, build them up, bless them. We can do that for one another, guys. We can be doing Bible studies throughout the week together. When's the last time you just picked up the phone, called someone, and just, hey, God just totally blessed me. I've been reading here in Jeremiah or Leviticus. Anything good come out of Leviticus? Yeah. Actually, jump over a couple chapters. Chapter 9, okay? Here's a cool thing. Verse 24. And fire came out. Where did this fire come out that was supposed to always be lit, always be going. It came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offerings and the fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. Did you guys catch that, guys? This first fire began supernaturally. It was God who lit it. And then it isn't God who saved us, who gave us the spirit. We're born again. We're lit on fire. And when we're on fire, we want to share with other people. Do you guys do that? Are you stoking yourself throughout the week? Are you praying for your pastor? Lord, stir up our pastor's heart this week as he's preparing and study. Then when we show up on Sunday, man, he's just spitting fire and everybody's getting caught. And we're going to go out of here just ablaze. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, guys, you will be endowed with power from on high to be witnesses. I have neighbors that don't know Jesus, and that's convicting for me to say. I have neighbors that don't know Jesus. I have neighbors that I still haven't shared with. It's not on me to save them, but I know the one who can save them. How can we not want to offer that to others that they can choose to receive such a Savior, such a gift, to have the hope of eternal life? We have that, guys. So let us share well. One last scripture, because I got six more minutes. Oh, and I hear a crier. We'll make it quick. Oh, then we won't worry. <laughs> She's like, yeah, preach on! 
Pray for our children's <laughs> teachers, too. <laughs> oh, John 7. Is that what I said? That's what I'm thinking. This is a rad passage. Check this out. John chapter 7. We're told in Galatians 5.25 that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, right? Love. Verse 22 to 25, I think. It is love. Now, I want us to keep that in mind as we read here in John chapter 7. We're going to jump down to verse 37. It says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried out. Okay? I want you to hear this this morning, saints. Okay? This is what he cried out. If anyone thirsts, okay? Do you thirst for the Lord? Do you hunger for the things of God? If you thirst, he says, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke, catch, concerning what? The Holy Spirit, right? In whom those believing in him would receive. The Holy Spirit was not yet given because the Jews had not, or Jesus was not yet glorified. So you guys catch what's happening here? If you're hungering and thirsting, you can ask of the Lord and he will give you torrents of living water. Torrents and overflow. Not just enough to make it through the day, but there's going to be an overflow in your life. And I'm sick of the lack. And part of that lack is because I'm not thirsting correctly. I think that's where we need to get on our knees and cry out for more of the Lord. More of Him. And He will give to us, guys, of His Spirit. And we're going to see torrents of living water. And it's going to be beautiful and wonderful. So Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this morning. Thank you so much for the reality of Pentecost. We're sitting here almost 2,000 years later. And you have been faithful to your word. I think about how many people through the ages have tried to do away uh, with what you have spoken. Lord, to erase you from history. But we know that isn't going to happen because you are alive and you are well and you are working through your church. God, we thank you, Father, for those today who are going to put their faith in you. And we would even pray big that you would save many today. We know your spirit is at work convicting, convincing people of truth. There may be some here this morning or watching online, Lord, that have just been rejecting you, wanting nothing to do with you. God, but you've been speaking to them. You're opening their eyes. May they call out to you and say yes to you, Jesus. We thank you that you are the hope of this world. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. I don't know what I would do without your help. I think all of us, um, would say the same thing. We are in so need of you. So please, would you stir up in us, God, a, a new hunger, Lord, thirst for more of you, and just give us, God, of your spirit. Each and every one of my brothers and sisters, fill us all afresh that we would speak this week of you to share that good news. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen.